All right, what's going on, everybody? It is the October 2022 edition of the QA. Do thank you guys very much for tuning in. It is the last Monday of the month, 2 p.m. Central, which means it's time for the QA. And I want to be one of the first to wish you a happy Halloween. If no one has done so already, happy Halloween to you. Hopefully everything is looking good. Uh, audio looking good on here. Cameras looking good. And because it's Halloween, I decided to change up the decor just a little bit. And we're even going to be having a Halloween candy little game here. That's right. For every super chat or super thanks, I'm going to eat a piece of Halloween candy. Yep. You heard it here first. So any uh, super chat, super thanks, whatever. Uh, this is going to be my version of a uh, drinking game, except for I'm eating Halloween candy. And I'm not going to lie. I'm going to pick through because uh, this is like what we got over the various Halloween events you know, over the weekend, there was like different like kids events and stuff. So this was kind of their haul so far, or some of their haul. And uh, I did discard some of the crappy candy. So what I want to hear from you guys, number one, I do have a couple of you. Uh, <laughs> I do have a couple of you uh, tuning in already, giving me the thumbs up, things like that. Uh, I want to hear from you. What is your favorite or least favorite Halloween candy? Go ahead and sound off in the comment section below. Favorite or least favorite Halloween candy. And uh, we'll kind of go from there and see what it is. So uh, let me just do me a, one quick check in here quick and see if we can get a special guest out here for this episode of the QA. Eric is there. Thank you very much. I got Dustin tuning in. Minuteman for Jesus. Happy Pumpkin Day. Uh, happy Halloween to you guys as well. All right. Perfect. Looks like we got some people tuning in. We're doing really good. Uh, Gents, I do appreciate it. My name is Dave Tim from Guns and Tactics. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Again, it is the October 2022, uh, October 2022 edition live of the QA. We just started doing this uh, live a few months ago, and I really love the live format. I love interacting with everybody. Love kind of checking in. Uh, this week, uh, well, let me back up. Last week, we didn't get to do a What's Up Wednesday because I was really busy basically getting done the trigger con stuff. And uh, I think we put out like 30 plus videos from trigger con 2022. That was in the beginning of October. Uh, and it took us obviously a little while to get through all of those. So it's been just really, really hectic to get through, you know, all of, all of those videos and stuff. Um, but it was, you know, I, I really enjoyed the show. There was a lot of cool stuff there and it was, uh, it was pretty awesome to see some new stuff that I haven't gotten a chance to put my hands on stuff that I've seen about, you know, seen on the releases and stuff, but got to actually play with. So if you guys have a favorite TriggerCon video or questions about anything that we covered at TriggerCon that we want to talk about on the live stream, go ahead and drop a comment and we will check in on that stuff as well. But yeah, TriggerCon was really awesome. Uh, I had a good time. All the videos I believe are out now. And what was really cool is that we got some relationships made with some of those companies. So I'm hoping uh, some more focused videos on, you know, some of the stuff that we saw at TriggerCon that was definitely kind of creating more of a buzz. So really, really excited for that. All right, let's uh, check in with some of the comments here real quick. And so far, no super chat or super thanks, which means I have not eaten any candy yet. So, all right, here we go. <laughs> All right. Dustin wants to know, is a hot dog a sandwich? So in our last live stream, we had quite the debate towards the end over what in fact was a sandwich. And I believe we came up with, if there is meat that is in the middle of pieces of bread, it could be considered a sandwich. So we had the big debate over whether a hot dog was a sandwich or not. And then that, you know, brought up the debate of a corn dog or a pronto pup. And for those of you guys who are not from Minnesota, there is a difference. They uh, are both very popular state fair food. So that is one thing. Uh, let's just see here. I'm just going to check in. But uh, I don't think we've decided if officially a hot dog was a sandwich, in fact, or not. But, uh, you know, burgers, were they a sandwich? I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that we could debate over here. So anyways, that's a, a great conversation. All right. Uh, let's check in here. Uh, you like to eat candy cork, P-Dub. Dude, I don't think you're supposed to eat cork. Now, your wife or girlfriend or whoever may tell you that the cork from the wine bottle is candy, but that is not a candy. No candy cork. I'm guessing you mean candy corn, which I agree. As a kid, I didn't mind it, but as an adult, it just, meh. You know, candy corn's not my favorite thing. Oh, and there it is, candy corn. There we go. Uh, peanut M&Ms, that should be your favorite, I would hope, because those are awesome. Everybody loves peanut M&Ms. A little uh, Dave hack throw them in the freezer. That's right. 
Throw those peanut M&Ms or any M&Ms in the freezer and uh, enjoy a nice, cold, crispy, delicious treat. Speaking of delicious treats, the official drink of today, because it's fall, oh yeah, pumpkin spice latte. Oh yes. Now this isn't a real pumpkin spice latte. Uh, this is a little bit of like the at-home pumpkin creamer, and it may or may not have a little bit of rum chata. Just saying, because I like the fall. And I'm not going to be embarrassed to admit it, guys. I love pumpkin spice lattes. I love them. Not embarrassed at all. They're delicious. So that's, uh, I like foo-foo drinks and you guys know that who tune in. All right, let's see. We have Minuteman saying uh, he's going to dress as an IRS agent. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I was thinking about like doing my scary backgrounds and I was going to do the little ATF meme guy, but uh, I think your IRS agent one might, uh, might have me beat there. Uh, Eric checking in least favorite is the now and laters that are super. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I swear they're super hard rappers to take off. And it's like the people who save them from the previous year to hand out. Um, my boy and I were riding, we were at an ATV ride, uh, this weekend. We had just an absolutely great time. It was good fall weather. We got to go with some close friends of ours and we got to put some miles on the old, uh, range side-by-side project, which does make it out off the range. And, you know, I use it for fun as well. And, uh, we broke some stuff too, which is always a good time, but there was a guy there handing out Halloween candy. And I swear some of it was so old, like the wrappers were really tough to take off. So it was probably like, you know, getting rid of it. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's pronounced Yanni. Is that right? Because you say you're in Europe. So I'm glad to have you tuning in. Uh, we're from Europe. You might get the high mileage award. So, uh, thanks for checking out. Uh, is, is there, just for Halloween candy besides candy corn. Ooh, I don't know. Peeps, um, used to be a traditional Easter thing if I'm not mistaken, but then they kind of branched out. So, but I don't know if anything is specific, just Halloween that, uh, yeah, just Halloween specific candy. So, all right, we've got Snickers, Reese's, Almond Joys. Yes, I love them. Least favorite, Black Licher. I understand that. Uh, I do love me some Almond Joys. I have a dad tax. When I take my kids out trick-or-treating, I tell them, uh, dad tax is imposed. Any Almond Joys, property of this guy. And most of the kids are actually pretty good. Like, they'll actually get them for me, especially when they get to pick, and they'll pick out an Almond Joy and give it to me every now and again. So I do got to give my kids props for that sometimes. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? P-Dub, Reese's Cups in the freezer. Yes, yes, absolutely. Any candy in the freezer really kind of just adds it. Um, if anybody here from my old PD is watching, do you guys remember when we used to put zebra cakes in the freezer? Yeah, that was my little treat. I brought that to my boys. Uh, when we would have a good time, I would get some zebra cakes by Little Debbie, and uh, we would throw those uh, We would throw those in the freezer, and it was a, it was a good treat. So definitely, uh, definitely delicious. All right, let's see. We got a huge Reese's fan here. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Dustin with the super chat. Is whiskey considered a Halloween? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it could be considered a Halloween candy. But since we have our first super chat, I got to eat my first piece of Halloween candy. And that is a Kit Kat. And I know it's probably rude to eat on a live stream, um, but that's the rules. When you guys do a super chat or a super thanks, I have to take a piece of candy. So. Uh, Yanni, it is got the name, right? Perfect. Good to hear. And you're from Finland. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a regular subscriber or just kind of stumbled across, but I do love it that, uh, we have people checking in and, uh, as always check in where you guys are from. If you're not a subscriber, tell me how you came across the live stream. I'd love to have you as a subscriber. And, uh, we talk about all things, you know, firearms related news, stuff like that. Uh, all right. One more comment here and then we'll kind of get back to what we were talking about before. Cause believe me, I get sidetracked really easily. Minuteman for Jesus. My lady asked for a PSL. So I went to the gun store. She said, no, she wanted coffee, but we took the PSL anyway. We love guns and coffee. Yes. Normally I have a patch somewhere about there on the patch wall about the, uh, guns and coffee. So I do really like that. Ooh, this, uh, scene looks good. I like that one. A little haunted, uh, haunted house there. This is the one I was going to have the ATF guy over the roof of, but I didn't get a chance to make that happen. So it happens. All right. So what we were talking about before, um, didn't have a chance to do a ton of what's up Wednesdays, but we do have some cool new stuff coming out. Uh, I do have some mail call just a little bit. Um, the fine folks at MDT modular driven technologies sent one of their bottom metals for their Mamba mag. And that was really cool. Uh, I I'm really leery if I can show, um, pew pew parts on a live stream. I know I cannot show a pew pew itself. That's like terms of service, whatever, but parts I think we're okay with. 
But uh, they sent a Mamba Mag bottom metal kit that we're going to give away for our 100K giveaway. But they wanted that highlighted, so I'm going to kind of do that its own first look video. But that looks really cool for those that might have a traditional hunting style rifle and they don't want to buy a whole new stock, a whole new bottom metal chassis, whatever, just to get a detachable mag. This is basically retrofitting their existing stock to take a detachable mag available for Tika, Remington, and some popular platforms. And I got to say, it looks really nice. I got to um, say I'm impressed with that. So that was kind of cool. And hopefully we'll be doing maybe a little bit more videos on some MDT stuff because they had some cool stuff coming out. The other thing I can show you guys, one of my favorite things that I got for fall is from my friends at Defense Mechanisms. Uh, I did a video on their Helion coat as well as uh, their plate carrier, the MEPC, but I am a huge fan of defense mechanisms at the show at TriggerCon. They just announced their new belt. Uh, but then this thing for fall, you guys might think it looks like a fanny pack because it has you know a zipper. And yes, you can put candy and all sorts of other stuff in there. You can put hand warmers. But what really is cool is this is like a, a sleeping bag for your hands. So you can either use these Velcro straps and Velcro it into your plate carrier so it basically hangs, you know, above your your junk or your belly. Uh, and then you can put your hands in here and it keeps your hands warm. So it's just like a tube. Now, there's other companies that make these. I realize that they're not the first to market with this, but they also have the little strap you can get so you can wear it just around your waist. Uh, I was teaching a class, reached out to the guys and said, hey, I have a class. I'm not sure what the weather's going to be like. One of the mornings was kind of cold, so I just simply put this above my belt had this in the morning so I could continue to teach with bare hands or whatever. But then as my hands got cold, I could just shove them in here and they can warm up. You could put a little hand warmer in there, whatever. So this is the defense mechanisms hand warmer. And it does have a little pocket utility pocket as well. Uh, but it has a little bit of fleece like insulation inside these nice cuffs that kind of tighten up around your hand. Like I really, really like this. This is a cool piece of kit, especially for cold weather. So I would highly recommend one of these. Definitely like that. Thanks to Defense Mechanisms for sending that out. I'll probably do some more focused videos on that kind of stuff in the future. All right. Let's keep going. We have Scott who's checking in with a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. And the Minuteman is saying again, the ATF should be a convenience store. I agree. The only thing they're missing is the explosives, which is always a good time. We don't get any good explosives here. So, all right, Dustin, super chat away. First piece of candy down. Again, guys, for every super chat, I'm eating a piece of Halloween candy. All right. Let's get to our first question. Question number one. This one is from Art. Um, and Art, I apologize because I believe I missed this last show. I know that many politicians put out stuff that is widely inaccurate, um, as we have seen, obviously. 9mm will blow it along. The assault rifle causes a foot-wide exit wound. Uh, but what is something you hear from the 2A community that is inaccurate and still repeated? Mm. If you can't do it with eight rounds, you can't do it at all. 1911, the two world wars, Second Amendment's about hunting. What's the worst info you've heard within the community? Oh, man, this is a good one. And I'm just checking battery levels here quick as we go back to. All right, so um, I would say I hear... There's, there's a lot. Number one uh, that is kind of relevant now is people need to learn iron sights before they learn red dot. And uh, I, that's more relevant recently because handgun red dots are becoming more relevant. Uh, pretty much every AR has a red dot. Now, a lot of people, um, oh my gosh, another red dot fad, a thing I'll talk about here in just a sec. But I'm, I'm hearing this, people need to learn iron sights first. And I, I get where this came from, okay? But the reality is a shooter is getting so much more information when they're using a red dot that they are able to develop better habits. And it's easier, in my opinion, to give them a red dot, teach them the fundamentals, teach them safe handling, go forward from there, build good habits, and then we can always fill in the blanks with the iron sights, go from there. Um, so that is uh, by far one of the things that most recently is frustrating to me. Now, one thing I will touch on, and no disrespect to Ken Hackathorn, but he put out a video on the Wilson Combat Channel where basically he thinks that red dots might be a fad. Now, he presented some valid points of, you know, do you need to train with it? Yes, absolutely. Could it be a fad? And other similar fads that he brought up were the 40 Smith & Wesson and lasers on handguns. Now, I will say 40 was a fad and for a lot of people, they thought it was the future, but as technology improved, the nine millimeter kind of came around and took over the 40 and now we don't really have the 40 anymore. So legit, I get that the 40, that, that fad is over lasers. Yep. 
That fad is also over, but there was always limitations with lasers as far as daylight visibility, durability, cold weather. There was always these uh, limited issues with lasers, and I would argue that they did not catch on nearly as much as the 40 did, for example. But now we have red dots on handguns, and I'm saying it's not a fad. I'm saying it is the way, and it is the future, and that's what I'm sticking to because, number one, we have never seen such widespread adoption of lasers like we are with red dots. Now the fact that you can go to pretty much any big box store that sells firearms and you'll see probably at least a few models that have an optic already installed and several that are optics ready. So optics are here. And when you have so many manufacturers adopting this, I mean, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm not aware of any manufacturer that widely adopted lasers. Was there some that would come with crimson trace grips? Absolutely. But not to the effect that red dot ready guns are available right now. Additionally, we didn't see law enforcement converting in droves to the laser or uh, whatever, like we are with the red dot. So, I mean, red dot is a hot market right now and rightfully so. And it is arguably not a fad when it comes to rifles and all of the benefits that we can apply to our rifle we can apply it to our handgun as well. So that's one that maybe I was thinking about doing a response video to. Now, here's the deal. Ken Hackathorn has earned the right to have his opinion, and it is a respected opinion. He is an icon in the industry, and rightfully so. I'm not saying anything out of disrespect to him. I'm just sharing my perspective, and uh, in some ways, I disagree. I think Red Dot is the way. And I think once you develop those good habits, I don't think there's a... Uh, I don't think there's a bad thing. And yes, can you be rusty with anything? Absolutely. And should you maintain training? Absolutely. Now, the other thing he says is that he used this term one percenter often, that basically only one percent of the firearm owner were the true hardcore people that were into training and whatever. And I would argue that I think it's higher than that. And right now we are seeing people training and engaging at a much higher percentage than I would argue this one percent. And that, unfortunately, we don't have a great way to uh, to go from there. So all right. Uh, anyways, that's, that's my little soapbox. All right. Uh, and new terms of service. If, uh, you paint it bubblegum pink, it becomes a Barbie toy, not an evil black rifle. Well, there you go. There we go. All right. Oh, and look at the entire Ken Hackathon red dot video. It's like you read my mind, Eric, us, uh, bright minds think alike, right, man. Uh, so anyways, that's a, uh, that's a good one. So, uh, yeah, and we can talk more about that stuff if, uh, you know, whatever, but uh, I don't know about all this oxygen we breathe. You know, the true story is, uh, isn't like most of our atmosphere, like what, 70% nitrogen. So, uh, I don't know what you're, you're the scientist, uh, in my circle of friends. So you would probably be able to better tell me what that is, but, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, oh, Yanni, you always need backup iron sights on a gun. Why do you always now? I would argue this. If you're carrying that gun professionally, should you have backup sights? Absolutely. However, for a competition gun, modern stuff, whatever, I would argue that not everybody needs backup sights for everything. So for example, the person who just is into training a lot and they just have that one competition gun or whatever, what happens if their dot goes down? Well, they can finish the stage and sometimes that's happened and they've surprised themselves with how well they can shoot. Uh, but number two, they just do bad on a stage, you know? Now, if this is a carry gun, a defense gun, a duty gun, whatever, uh, I get it. Now, speaking of which, uh, one other thing that's going around in the industry right now that uh, I am guilty of, guys, is this whole duty grade. Uh, it is getting to the point where it's almost as bad as the old mil spec. Like I remember, you know, in the early 2000s to mid 2000s, everything was mil spec, mil spec, mil spec, and mil spec. Oh, that's another soapbox. But right now everything has to be duty grade. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to steal a line from Scott Jedlinski, modern samurai project, super good dude. And he would always talk to us cops in the classes and he'd be like, guys, is every one of the cops that you work with duty grade? Kind of food for thought, food for thought. So anyways, uh, yeah, so I, I get it. All right. Uh, yeah. And Eric, uh, you agree? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yes. And I agree. A big duty, a big duty. All right. So that was question number one. Uh, now back to your comment here, Dustin art PS, a hot dog is considered a sandwich because the basic definition of a sandwich is anything where there's filling between two slices of bread or split roll, including lobster rolls. It's regardless of filling, whether it's meat or veggies or cheese. P.S. A corn dog isn't a sandwich because it's not slices of bread or a split roll. Wow. Wow. Well, so if 
not it has to be a split roll. But if it's a lobster roll, a wicked supper at the lobster. I, I just always like to talk with accents sometimes. Uh, so I would say, uh, yeah, a lobster roll. Is that a sandwich? I, yeah, I guess it probably would be. I, I think everybody just calls it a lobster roll. And thankfully, we uh, have a, a place around here that serves them in the summer, which is pretty good. But I'm looking forward to going out east and getting some good seafood sometime. All right. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to say was, uh, as always, I want your feedback. If there's videos you want to see, if there's topics you want us to discuss, talk about, whatever. Uh, viewer requests make some of the best videos that I like doing. So if there's topics, whatever that we need to cover, let me know. And again, it's been super hectic. I had a bunch of classes. Um, I had some contract classes, uh, law enforcement class, an instructor class, uh, trade show, whatever. So like it's been super hectic and I have not been home much in the last month. And thankfully things are starting to like wind down for a little bit, which is super awesome. So uh, I, pr I apologize if we haven't gotten like a what's up Wednesday that you guys, I know some of you guys look forward to that, but we're still trying to do two, at least two videos a week um, about something, whatever. I try to do what's up Wednesdays, try to do quick tips when I have them, things like that. So as always, if you guys have ideas, suggestions, don't be afraid to reach out. And if you want to see your email on the show, the best way is always the QA at gunsandtactics.com. That comes to the inbox, and then we add your email, or your, excuse me, your question to the show, which is live at the end of the month. And a lot of people interact, obviously, within the comments. But if you want to email, if you're watching this afterwards, whatever, email, that is, again, the QA at gunsandtactics.com. I don't know if it'll let me replay it or not, but I don't think it will, but let's try it again. Oh, there it is. And it changes the backgrounds too. So that's the, the QA at gunsandtactics.com. And uh, I'd love to see your questions on the show. All right. A uh, quick shout out for Kevin. Kevin sent me this tool. He made it out of a uh, screwdriver and he ground the bit for adjusting Holosun red dots. And uh, this is a picture of me using it at a recent class. So Kevin, thank you very much for sending out that tool. It was super handy. I drilled a hole in it, put a little piece of paracord and I could run it on my belt, but uh, I would hand these out to a lot of people and uh, it worked out really good. So I'm thinking about making one for like an RMR. Actually, I have an idea for like a multi-tool type thing, but uh, I do appreciate that. And I know you have some questions coming up as well. All right. So this one is from Mitchell. Thanks for the QA. Always interesting and useful. Uh, can you recommend an ambidextrous AR-15 45-degree safety? Some companies will include thread-locking compound on the fasteners for their accessories. Magpul, is that compound reliable? If not, clean and replace to a known good thread locker on top of it. So number one, as far as good ambi 45-degree safeties, uh, right now my go-tos are probably Battle Arms Development. Uh, they make a great one. Forward Controls Design uh, make a great safety as well. So those two are really, really solid. Uh, I think, uh, who did I just get one from? I can't remember if it was blackout defense or rise armament that looked pretty good. Uh, Fortis makes a solid one as well. So I would say like, those are my favorite brands, but if I had to pick just a couple, it would, I'm pretty much most on my rifles right now. It's either battle arms development or forward controls design. And yes, I know there is a little bit of crossover there. Roger who owns forward controls development used to work at battle arms. So whatever, but they're, they're both good quality products right now. I'm as I, I thought I might've had one handy, but as I'm buying them, I'm generally buying the forward controls versions. They're just awesome. Uh, yeah. Radian Radian makes a really good ambi selector as well. Thank you, Dustin. I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, the Radian stuff is really good to go. I like their charging handles there. Um, I actually don't own one of their selectors, but I've played around with it bed, uh, at, at shows and stuff like that. So, uh, I do appreciate that. Uh, so those would be good. Now, as far as pre-applied thread locker, a lot of times what they're putting on there is some version, whether it's OEM or whatever, of a Vibratite-like substance. Now, I will say this. I tried Vibratite for a while, and anytime I was having issues with fasteners coming loose, this is mainly in like the handgun red dot space, it was with Vibratite. So I personally have gone back to... Uh, thread locking compound made by Loctite brand. And I either use 222 MS for small fasteners or 243 for a little bit uh, bigger fasteners. And then if I really need it, I'll use the, I believe it's 263 or 273. It's one of the, it's the oil resistant red for high heat type conditions, a high adhesive conditions. Uh, so Generally speaking, the ones that I use the most are 222 and 243, both made by Loctite. Personally, me, this is what I do is when I get an accessory, um, and I have to secure a fastener, I will strip off that 
thread locking compound, I'll either use a wire brush or I'll use some heat uh, or, you know, degreaser or whatever. And I'll try to remove as much of that as possible. And then I'll reapply my own thread locker and then I'll put my witness mark. And again, my witness mark color code is white witness marks are the purple, low strength, blue is blue, red is red thread locker. Those are my little codes. When I look at something and I see the witness mark, I know that thread locker is applied. So that's a, a great, great question there. All right, uh, Minuteman, uh, do you know what a wish sandwich is? It's when you have two slices of bread and wish you had some meat to put in it. That is very true. Speaking of bad dad jokes, and it is Halloween, this month's first bad dad joke is brought to you by Dustin, Halloween themed. What type of shoes does a kidnapper wear? That's right. What type of shoes does a kidnapper wear? white vans get it white vans that was hilarious i love that thank you very much uh, dustin for the bad dad joke i loved it i have one more halloween dad joke coming up that we'll save here in, in a little bit all right now so where is the fine line between a dinner roll with a big butter patty uh tucked into it or a cheese sandwich or a wish sandwich there we go yeah so i don't know we can have this debate all the time. All right. How are we doing on time here? We're about 28 minutes in. I can't go super late today, guys, uh, because today is, in my opinion, the most important holiday all year, and that's Halloween. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit, and I open up to you guys a little bit more often because I consider you guys the inner circle of my viewership. You guys are the the regular viewers who tune in to the QA every month or whatever. I, I have a lot of fun doing this. Um, and real quick, before I get into my Halloween story, I do want to give a shout out to a few of the people that I did meet at TriggerCon. It really, really did mean a lot to me when people would come up to me and be like, hey, Dave. And I was kind of taken away. I'm not that cool, guys. I don't have that big of a channel. I'm not that cool. I put my pants on one leg at a time. I like pumpkin spice lattes. So, you know, is what it is. But uh, for a few of you guys that did come up and uh, shared your thoughts about the channel or how long you've watched or whatever, it really did mean a lot to me. And uh, I know there was one, um, I, I don't, I don't want to mention names because I know some of you guys are cops and, you know, whatever. And I don't want to put your info out there, or whatever. Uh, but I did run into, um, you know, and a cop and he was you know wondering if like last month's QA was going to be the last because I kind of sounded a little tired and I was just getting over a cold type sickness thing and I get it I probably wasn't on my you know best A game and uh but I wanted to stress to him and I will stress to all of you that it, that was not going to be the last QA I love doing these and especially live because basically when we're done I can just hit done. I later download the audio. We add that to the podcast section. We go from there. But now that I don't have to edit and we can kind of interact and stuff, um, the you know the live stream is kind of a cool format. I wouldn't mind even doing a little bit more live streams. So we'll probably do some more you know for Patreons and stuff as that grows. So if you wanted to support the channel, you can head on over to our Patreon. There'll be a link in the section below. But every little bit helps. And as we get more Patreons, we'll have earlier access, more discount codes, all that stuff. So a uh, real quick comment, uh, just so I don't forget, Loctite does expire two years after manufacture or one year. So yes, that is very true. I always write the date usually on the bottle when I open it and uh, I usually replace it thereafter. Anyways, why Halloween is so important to me. As a kid, Halloween was literally a bigger holiday than Christmas in a lot of ways. Uh, it's my grandma's birthday today. So I do want to give a shout out to my grandma. Happy birthday, Marilyn. Uh, I know she's uh, not feeling the best on this birthday this year. Uh, but she is getting up there in age and, uh, she's, you know, recovering well, she did, did get COVID. Uh, but I have so many special memories with her, so many special memories growing up. And for us and our family, Halloween was this huge holiday because it was number one Halloween and we got awesome treats. But the real number one was that it was grandma's birthday. So everybody would get together, all my aunts and uncles, all the cousins, everybody would get together. We'd have this huge dinner and it was always Halloween themed. And then we would go out and we would spend time together. We would trick or treat and we would just have this amazing time as a big family. It was a huge family gathering. Grandma's birthday was so big growing up and we had so many great memories because it was also Halloween. And I'm a firm believer that Halloween is one of the best holidays because it is truly when people become the most kind and the most generous. Now, a lot of people think like the gore and all that stuff, and that's part of it. I totally get that. But what other holiday do we decorate? Our whole community, you know, your house, your neighborhood, your whatever, you get together with neighbors. And what other holiday do you go to the store and do you spend a bunch of money on candy that you give out 
You know, like a lot of people don't give out stuff for Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, but they open up their property by letting people come in, knock on their door for hours and hours, and they give out candy in the name of kindness. That's what Halloween means to me. So happy birthday, grandma. I wish you the best. Can't wait to see you this holiday season and uh, happy Halloween to everybody else. It really does mean a lot to me. That's uh, a little bit of letting Dave's hair down and letting you guys in behind the curtain of why Halloween is so important to me. So true story. Um, one of the big projects I did when I was a police officer was a Halloween community event. Uh, and we got to celebrate Halloween with our community. And again, I did that, uh, basically because of my grandma. So that's a little bit about me, Halloween going from there. So that's it. All right. It's your birthday. Do you get a shout out? Yes, absolutely. You're from Argentina for real. Well, happy birthday, man. Happy upcoming birthday all the way from Buenos Aires, Argentina. I don't know how that voice sounded, but I do appreciate you tuning in. Thank you very much. Happy birthday to you. All right. Where were we for questions? Uh, let's get right back to it. Uh, we already answered that one. So we are at Kevin. What are some opinions that can be done when incompetent fools at the gun manufacturer take the disconnector to a bench grinder, destroying the pistols? Kevin, you have some of the most unique experiences. I, I have no idea. Uh, I believe in your email and I didn't have a chance to copy the whole thing, but I believe you were referring to Springfield with this. I don't know, man, take pictures, document, send it back, kind of keep working your way up the chain. But you have some unique experiences that I just, I have not been able to, you know, personally experience, but, uh, it is kind of crazy, but yeah, there are some idiots out there in the gun industry. Absolutely. For sure. So hopefully, uh, they keep taking care of you customer service wise. All right, let's check in with Mitchell. I'm thinking about a suppressed nine millimeter or 300 blackout semi-auto SBR specifically tuned for subsonic ammo, which, uh, I'm assuming it's which semi out with semi-autos, excuse me. There is always the addition of action noise and other noise sources. Is there a semi-auto action type that stands out as giving the quietest operation when suppressed. So as far as the quietest operation, um, I would probably argue a roller delayed system, like some of the HK stuff is probably about the quietest semi-auto as you're going to get with the AR or some of the blowback models. There's always going to be a little bit, right? Uh, but with the AR, you can tune it with adjustable gas blocks, buffer systems, spring systems to make it pretty quiet. In some ways, what I wish somebody would make uh, and I, I'm not into lever guns, but I'm kind of becoming into lever. I'm, I'm lever curious. How's that? Uh, I do want to get a lever gun. Uh, a friend of mine who works in the industry was telling me that he has a 357 lever gun. He shoots suppressed with 38 subs and the thing is wicked quiet and it's faster than a bolt action, but it's a closed action. So you have that quiet and, uh, I kind of want to get a lever gun now. So I was kind of thinking it'd be kind of cool if somebody made something like that with as fast as a lever gun. Uh, but yet, you know, like some of the single action, like the bolt action style ARs, they don't really do it for me, but I suppose you could do something like that. But yeah, that'd be it. Uh, Eric. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Kevin has some unique experiences that, uh, he definitely gets. All right. Uh, speaking of Kevin, some more questions from Kevin. Are there any field methods out there to check for proper positions of the trigger ham hammer safety hole locations? No, not in the field. I'm not aware of anybody who's going to take all that stuff apart in the field and insert some sort of a measuring jig or something like that. Um, uh, I have seen one device that a factory was using where basically it was like a, a piece and it had different pegs and those pegs were within a certain location. And then you would align that on the lower receiver and it would basically serve as like a go, no go. Now they were a little bit undersized and they could allow a little bit of movement or whatever, but that was just a quick rough fixture to say, go, no go. It wasn't the most precise, but they were using it for speed inspections. Uh, so I've seen something like that, but again, that's not going to be something that I would ever see in the field. Uh, do functional tests of the safety mechanism on an AR include making sure the safety uh, prevents the hammer from working in the static position, or is the hammer push-off test more appropriate when it forces the sear into worst-case position? Well, so the safety mechanism on the AR, of course, should make sure the hammer falls, things like that, but I personally will test that a variety of ways when we are looking at safety function. Now, the thing is, the safety function more prevents the trigger from moving. So therefore, if we prevent the trigger from, um, I'm looking at my camera here, so it's a little awkward, but the safety is like here, the triggers here, and the safety prevents the trigger from moving along the hammer to fall, things like that. Now I have seen guns where you could have the, uh, firearm in safe, the ARs talking, and because those 
things got so polished and so fine-tuned that with a certain drop or anything like that, the hammer sear surface could basically slip. And that's not necessarily the safety's fault. That's the hammer sear engagement's fault of not having enough engagement surface or improper tuning uh, when people are starting to polish and file and stone. They're basically doing a crappy job of that. So uh, maybe we could do something like that on another uh, a video or something because uh, it's kind of tough to get into here because, you know, uh, Kevin, you sent a few questions and I want to make sure we have time for others as well. Uh, let's see when the safety on the AR is crunchy and stiff, does it make more sense to install military spec, correct safety slash ejector springs, or does the wrong OEM spring have to be used? Uh, obviously if the safety is crunchy, I would replace it with a good quality detent and spring. And actually there's one company out there. Oh man, you're going to, uh, it's going to boggle my mind, but they actually use their detent. Uh, it's, actually looks super cool. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Um, it's going to escape me, but their detent is normally a detent is just a pointed piece, right? It looks like this and then it comes down and engages into a groove on the selector, but theirs actually has a little ball bearing on it and it looks really cool. I can't wait to check it out to see if it's worth the hype or not. And to see if it just improves just that little bit right now, is it mil spec? Nope. Is it proprietary? Well, kinda, but you could replace it with whatever, but I just want to see, you know, I like checking out new stuff. I like innovation and, and whatever else. So that was uh, all of Kevin's questions. Uh, this one's from Derek. When do you when do you think you're gonna finish up the 870 build? Oh my gosh, that's an oldie from the pawn shop shotgun days, and that will be going on the Learning Firearms channel probably in the next few weeks. I got to get around to editing it, but Trevor and I did get together and we did make that happen. So uh, that was kind of cool to you know kind of finish that up. All right, let's check in with a couple of comments here real quick. Oh boy, Scott, you really like candy corn? I mean. Seriously? Candy corn is like the crap you put out for the people who get like, you know, a little too buzzed at your party and just need some finger food or whatever. But I don't know. Although the one thing is one time I did eat candy corn and peanuts at the same time. And that combination kind of tasted like a salted nut roll. That's like a Minnesota candy bar. We used to have to sell those as a kid. But anyways, I, I don't know, man. Do, do you really like candy corn? That's just wrong. All right. Your mom makes sweets with candy corn, sugar cookies. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Candy corn, ice cream. I would try it. I really would try it. I really would try it. All right, dudes. And again, if you're just tuning in, which, uh, how many are we up to? We're up to, uh, yeah, a few people watching every super chat or super thanks gets to me to eat a piece of Halloween candy. So if you want to see me eat some candy, you got to pony up, put your money where your mouth is or your keyboard hands or, or whatever. All right, we're making our way, guys. Uh, we're at about 40 minutes in. We'll probably go until uh, we're out of questions and we're out of comments, and we'll kind of go from there. So let me just get a sip of coffee before the next one. All right, this one. Uh, we already answered that one. There we go. All right, this is from Russell. Uh, which AIWB manufacturer do you recommend for the best Staccato P duo? Man, that's a tough one because I'm here to tell you... Um, I'm here to tell you that that is going to be a little bit of personal preference, but tier one, uh, they make a really great system that I've been wearing on uh, right now. I'm going to order one for a staccato, but right now I have it for a couple of Glocks and Dustin turned me on to those. I really do like them. It's pretty comfortable. Uh, QVO tactical, uh, is the current one that I have for staccato now. Again, also pretty comfortable, good quality. Roger is a good dude. I'm looking to hopefully meet up with him, uh, when I have to head out to Vegas for a class, or maybe we can meet at shot show, but he just seems like a genuinely nice guy and uh, good dude making holsters now. So I really like QVO stuff. Uh, tier one QVO. Oh man, there's so many that I'm going to be forgetting right now. Uh, Filster, Minnesota's own Filster. They make great quality holsters that I've had a lot of people tell me are super comfortable. So, uh, Tenacore, yep. I do have a Tenacore Saga. Is it a Saga or Sega? I don't know how to pronounce it, but I do have a couple of Tenacore holsters that I do really like as well. Again, for the Glock, but you know, they make good stuff. Um, and, uh, Tenacore, uh, I can't remember the owner's name. I met him at TriggerCon a few years ago. Again, super nice guy. Awesome customer service. I lost a screw. Uh, for one of my old Tenacore holsters, and he was nice enough to mail it right out. So, uh, absolutely, absolutely awesome dudes uh, at Tenacore. Uh, now, Kevin did send a question about a uh, AIWB Comfort that I think I, I copied and pasted it to the wrong slide. So, Kevin, I'm going to pull that up here quick while I'm looking uh, for that because I do want to make sure. Um, I answer those questions. And another quick thing for Kevin, um, you also asked about like when uh, instructors will say like, you know, stay in your lane and stuff like that. What's a civil way to handle that? Uh, in my opinion, 
Uh, when someone says, hey, stay in your lane, I, I get it. Sometimes people do need to be called out because they are going outside of their lane, right? Fair enough. However, other people, they do use it as basically a distraction or a diversion when they don't want to answer a question or whatever. So that might be maybe more of a topic that I could get into on its own. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I've had admirations of, of doing or ambitions of doing more podcasts where we kind of talk about some of this in the instructor craft podcast. And we talk about mindset and training and all that stuff and maybe kind of talk about some of that stuff. So that's not a bad idea. Definitely not a bad idea. Uh, yeah. T-Rex sidecar is interesting. I haven't played around with any of the T-Rex stuff in person, but I will admit I wouldn't mind checking it out. Uh, I just, you know, there's only so much stuff you can check out, but yeah, it does look interesting. I agree. All right. Now Kevin had a question about, uh, appendix carry, and I wanted to make sure I get to that as well. And I apologize. I'm not gonna be able to put it up on there, but do I have any advice, preferences, tricks, or equipment to make AIWB more comfortable? Is there any texture over the Kydex that works well to stop the wrestling mat burns from the adherence of the Kydex against sweaty skin? Uh, and then, uh, like you use a ghetto sock trick, you put a sock around it in the summer. And then do you prefer any longer slide options for AIWB to avoid pressure points? It's exactly the opposite of Glock's 45, which is a shorter slide. So here's the thing. Uh, that's a really good question. Now, as far as summertime, um, I will generally, I have guns that I hang on. Okay, so this is one of my tier ones uh, holster here. And uh, as you can see, it kind of comes in this awesome gray. Oh my gosh, the chroma key is taking off the green, but this is actually neon green. And look, it kind of disappears, but ooh. see, it's like see-through, but it's actually not see-through. It's just green paracord. Uh, but anyways, uh, this is my tier one. I, I don't know the name of it, but it's like a, a wing type where it has the mag holder and the... Uh, or the bungee cord right here to kind of give it a little bit of flex. Um, super comfortable. Now, some people are saying get a longer slide. So therefore you're dispersing more of the weight. And I totally get that. And it makes sense. And if it works for you to kind of distribute that weight and that pressure on a larger area, that definitely might be it. I know a lot of people who are actually carrying more full size guns, 17s, 34s, or they're ordering a 17 or 34 holster and putting a 19 in it. Now, I do think that with appendix carry getting more and more popular, I think we're going to see long slide guns. So right now we have the Glock 45, which was really meant to be a duty gun, shorter slide, shorter duty holster, but a full size grip and control totally makes sense for that market. However, why don't we have the 19L Glock? And I think we're going to, I think someday it's going to come out. And I think that'll be an incredibly popular appendix gun because it will have that longer slide and a shorter grip. And I think that's going to be one popular gun. Shadow Systems already makes that. Shadow Systems, I do have a video coming out on my long-term review of my Shadow Systems gun. That gun's really impressed me. But Shadow Systems cool because they're nimble enough as a small company to be able to do that. So they have all sorts of really cool configurations, 19Ls, shorter guns, longer guns, whatever. Uh, if you want it, Shadow Systems probably makes it. So I would really give them a shout out and let them know that... Um, let them know that I have it. Uh, yeah. Is this the access elite? Is that what you're saying, Eric? Yes. Perfect. Yep. Thanks guys. Access elite. Uh, again, I can't keep track and tier one, you should really like laser engrave what this crap is. So like old dudes like me can look at it and be like, oh yeah, this is the tier one concealment access elite. But thankfully I have awesome people in the viewership section following along and checking out my comments. Uh, somebody needs to do a super chat or a super thanks. Cause I got some candy staring me down here guys. So I don't know what I'm going to have. I'm not going to have gummy bears, but I'm going to have more can. Ooh, there's a peanut butter cup. Come on. Somebody needs to do a super chat or whatever so I can eat this peanut butter cup. All right. Uh, uh, other comfort. So the pad obviously is one thing we could do. And then with summer carry, depending on, and I don't know your underwear style, this could get a little awkward. Okay. But, um, you know, if you were wearing like a boxer brief or something like that, you can kind of hike that up a little bit higher. So it kind of is more, you know, guarded here. And then you can have like a higher sweat guard, something like that. Uh, now I know some people will put the pad or they'll put some sort of material in the back and all that, but I haven't had any issues. And I will say this, um, as I lost weight, appendix got more comfortable, but I'm not as skinny as I once was. I'm not at my low. And those of you guys that have watched me for a long time know that I struggled with weight. I used to be way bigger, way fatter, right? And I still have my struggles. I mean, look at, I'm looking at this jar of Halloween candy, like a, a fat kid at a cake shop, you know? So I have my struggles. I've had my struggles. I still have them. 
But I will say I'm not letting my weight, current weight, and obviously I'm still trying to get back to a little bit healthier of a weight, you know, pandemic pounds and, you know, whatever, need to get more active. But I will say that I'm not letting my weight stop me from caring in what I feel is a better method. Now, a lot of people going back to Ken Hackathorn, he made the comment in his Red Dot video, uh, yeah, do you want to carry a gun pointed at your junk? There's so much more to it than that. Like I get it. Yes, technically it is pointed at my groin. However, when I'm carrying on my hip, uh, you could argue that it's pointed at your leg, depending on how you're seated, whatever else. Now, most of the time would it be off to your side? Totally get all that. Yes, yes, yes. But from a speed point, from a retention point, from a core point, from a strength point, there's all sorts of stuff that you can't argue is a benefit to carrying appendix carry. Like there, it's just so much of a benefit for a variety of reasons that, uh, it's kind of tough, you know, it's definitely kind of tough, tough to argue with. So, um, yeah, there's that. Um, so Kevin, hopefully that helps. I do have a video plan called dad bod appendix carry where I'm going to share my journey with appendix carry and what I have done to make it comfortable. And I'm talking like seven hour, eight hour road trips, uh, carrying while I'm off-roading in my side-by-side, I'm pretty much all appendix carry right now. Every now and again, I'll carry on the hip, but the reality is it's mostly appendix carry. So we'll talk about that. All right. Uh, yes. And, uh, yes, always wear a synthetic under armor shirt. Oh my gosh. Another true story. I would show you a picture, but it's actually kind of gross. So a few weeks ago, almost a month ago, I went to a Scott Jedlinski uh, appendix carry class. Cause again, I wanted to learn. I don't know what I don't know. And I want to, you know, learn more about appendix carry and how to be faster. And Scott Jedlinski is arguably one of the fastest, coolest dudes when it comes to shooting fast. So I didn't wear an undershirt when I was carrying my staccato P, which is stippled as well. The uh, Brandon McMullen, Dave, Tim special shout out to you, Brandon, for an awesome grip package, by the way. But like my belly, it looked like street pizza at the end of day one. I was just wearing a t-shirt. I would draw, I would, you know, and man, um, it was rough. Like I got through the day, but the next day I switched to my duty rig because my, my gut was like street pizza from carrying and drawing so many times in the class. Now, so that's, uh, that's one thing there, but, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Where was I? Um, you can put a Glock 17 slide on a Glock 19. You just need to use the uh, gen five barrel. Yep. Uh, yeah. And there's, uh, I think more modularity coming. Uh, I think it's going to be going to be pretty cool with what's going on. Uh, true story. The Glock 45 can take a 19 or whatever. So yeah, it's definitely cool to kind of see some of that long slide stuff there. Uh, always where all right. Thoughts on the new staccato CS, you know, here's the funny thing. I, <laughs> I gotta be careful. So I'm a part of Staccato's blue team, right? Which basically means I'm like a law enforcement brand ambassador. Uh, I love Staccato's. They make great guns. They're doing cool stuff or whatever, but I didn't know about the CS until like pretty much right when it was released. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, you'd think like, Hey, here's a guy who's on the blue team who makes YouTube videos. I was really kind of hoping I could get an early one to play with and be like one of the first people to do a video on it. But I don't know. I'm, like I said, maybe I'm uh, just wishful thinking. And I know they have other influencers that they work with who have a way bigger audience and are way cooler and way better looking than me. But uh, I get into the gun nerd stuff that I think uh, viewers appreciate. At least I hope you guys do. But yeah, I was really hoping to check one out. It's basically like a C2, but smaller. Rumor is they shoot really well. It has some cool machining upgrades. I want to check one out. Now, do I think um, it's going to be a super popular carry gun? Because here's the downside with Staccatos is they are heavier than polymer brand A, B, C, D, whatever. And for some people, it's all about weight versus performance. So I totally get that. Is it going to be a popular gun for Staccato? I think it will. I think they're going to have no problem selling as many as they make. Right now, Staccato can't keep up with demand, and that's a good problem to have. And I think that the CS is going to be just fine for them. I think it's going to be a hot, hot topic or excuse me, a hot product. But on that topic, is it going to be a hot product that's going to be widely adopted? No. And here's the reason why is that staccatos in general are going to be price prohibitive for a lot of people. There's just a lot of people that can't go and spend $2,500 on a pistol and then get a red dot and then do whatever. So now we're talking $3,000 by the time you add tax title, license, red dot, all that stuff, it's cost prohibitive for a lot of people. And that's just a reality of it, right? So, but I do think it's a cool gun and I, uh, I, I'm going to hopefully check one out, but uh, we got to be honest, it is what it is. All right. Um, 
The MSP holster has that. Yes, it's actually kind of molded in there. Absolutely. Uh, from appendix, uh, if your primary hand gets injured, you can still get the gun with your weak hand. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And for some of these guys who carry on the hip, it's a chore to reach with their reaction hand to get it. Whereas, like you said, uh, DeGraw, uh, hopefully I pronounced that right. Or is it DeGraw? Is it DeGraw or DeGraw? Let me know in the comments section below. But yes, absolutely. You can get to it with both hands for sure. Eric uh, finally converted your sergeant carrying a WB and he came to me today and said, I can't imagine carrying any other way now. Yep. It does take some time getting used to, but it is the best way to carry 100% right on. Absolutely. And especially once you get that in my video, the dad bod um, video, like once you get the spot where you get your, your pants size just right. Cause for me, like some of my regular pants that were kind of normal fitting, it wasn't as comfortable. Whereas I got like the flex jeans from Duluth or, um, some of my 5'11 pants that have a little bit of flex to it, they kind of can, you can hike your, your pants up a little higher. So for me, I found that I had to rise my pants up a little bit higher. And then you kind of found that comfort spot to where it's just there, right? And it's so much more comfortable. So yeah, that is that. All right, guys, we are winding down. I think, um, oh, it's Dave Crawl. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Appreciate that. Another fellow Dave, another fellow Dave. But yeah, I, I do definitely can relate. Uh, so guys, super chat, super thanks. Got to keep the lights on somehow. And if you want to see me eat some candy, got to put your money where your mouth is. Happy Halloween, everybody. All right, we're winding down. And then I think uh, if the chat is winding down, I'm probably going to be wrapping up here shortly to, uh, you know, go trick-or-treating and have a good time with the kids. I have a ball. Like I, we pull our side-by-side. -side, uh, I hook up a trailer. We have kids hopping in and out of the trailer as we're kind of going from like house to area to house area. Like it's a good time. We do it up. I wish I, I should have brought a picture to show you guys. Cause well, Dustin, you know, you were there once. Uh, Dustin and I have actually hung out in real life. Not everybody, you know, gets that opportunity and that's totally okay. Uh, so, but Dustin can relate. He knows what Halloween means to me and he knows like what we do. And um, yeah, it's just kind of cool. So. All right, where were we with questions? Uh, we talked about this guy. We talked about that guy. Boom, there we go. Uh, this one's from John. I just watched three videos you have on this. Not sure if there's more still looking. I'm a new 2011 style, uh, new user of 2011 style pistols, and I was wondering about the hammer. I always see the hammer back and wondered, how do you release the hammer? I'm, whole, I'm calling it the correct name. I have seen in old Westerns, but how on this pistol do you properly do it? All right, so the hammer on a 1911, 2011 is what's called single action only, which means the hammer has to be cocked in order for the gun to be fired. If the hammer is forward, that means we basically, hopefully the gun was unloaded, we dry fired, causing the hammer to fall. There is no decock or anything like that. Now, I've seen some people, yeah, I know, I know, I've seen some people where they don't like to carry cocked and locked. So they'll carry cocked safety off. And we had a debate about that in my 2011 user guide video. I'm pretty sure it was where a guy was like, I'm an instructor and I would never tell someone how to carry their gun. The safety is not necessary and blah, blah, blah. And it's almost as bad as the whole, like, this is my safety type thing. So ah, that really frustrates me that people still have this attitude of this is my safety type thing. And ah, with the 1911 to 2011 style gun, there is no drop safety. The system was designed to be carried cocked and locked for a reason. Now the grip safety, we can have a debate on because the original 1911 didn't have a grip safety. We can talk about that and we can talk about all that, but oh my gosh, it does hurt my brain too. It totally hurts my brain too. Did you read that comment from that guy, Eric? I mean, it seriously, so he's going on. I, I should have took a screenshot because he gets an internet range safety officer patch because he is truly the internet range safety officer. But anyways... I'm getting worked up here, guys. I'm getting worked up. Somebody needs to do a super chat so I can have a peanut butter cup to calm down. Okay. Anyways. Uh, and he was telling me like how it's, you know, their responsibility to carry their gun and I shouldn't be so arrogant and blah, blah. And he's calling me names and I'm like, dude, you don't understand how the gun works. Like it is designed to prevent the hammer from falling and the grip safety is designed to prevent the trigger from moving back. I mean, we talked about that and oh my gosh, it is so frustrating that that system is designed 
you have to be a little bit more of a switched on user. I'll, I'll say that it's not for everybody. Okay. There's a little bit more maintenance issues. There's some, some things you have to be aware of, but the performance gain is real. There is a, a performance gain, but you have to be aware of how to use that. It's almost like a fancy sports car with a manual transmission. You have to know how to use a clutch. Okay. And with a 2011, cause they're really, really popular right now. You have to know um, how to, how to run the safety, uh, the 2011 new user guide, Dustin, 2011 new user guide. Uh, there's a comment on there. I can't remember. Like I said, he, he went on and on about this whole thing. So anyways, this whole safety thing. So you have to carry it cocked and locked. You, as you draw, you would deactivate the safety. Then you could fire. There is no decock or anything like that. And you would never need to decock unless literally the gun is unloaded and you're going to be putting it away. And then you would, you know, basically, uh, you could dry fire. Okay. But other people who didn't like to carry cocked and locked would either carry cocked and unlocked. Like I was saying, or I've seen this where they say it's okay to load the gun and then we're going to hold the hammer, depress the trigger and slowly ride the hammer forward. So now they're carrying with a loaded gun that's not cocked. So they'd have to draw and cock the gun and the, That's my, seriously, no, it's not how it was designed to be carried. Just don't do it. Don't do it. That's how I feel guys. So anyways, uh, realize this, and I'm not trying to be a 2011 snob, but I do want to help people that if you're interested in the 2011, if you're 2011 curious, I'm your guy. All right. But I want to make sure you're getting good info. The 2011 new user guide. Uh, I really, I know Eric, I know that's totally agree. But the 2011 new year's guide is a video I'm proud of. And I've shared it with as many people as I can to try to help share the good info. Cause the 2011 is awesome. It is just awesome. Uh, but anyways, I'm sorry, man. I know this is the stuff that we get to deal with in the comment section. So, all right, guys. Uh, I think, I think that is it for questions. I think we've gotten through everything. I'm going to go ahead and prep my random number generator. Okay. And there we go. So, oh my gosh, Scott, I'm having trouble finding an OW. Hang on. We have a super chat. Hang on. Let me put that up on the screen. Super chat. Halloween rules means I have to eat a Reese's peanut butter cup. Now. Thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate that. I'm having trouble finding an OWB holster for my M&P 2.0 with a 4.6. Do you know of a quality option? Kydex or leather? Hopefully Kydex, right? Um, so number one, I don't know if you have a light or a red dot or not, because sometimes that matters. If you're going to carry it with a light, it's a little harder. And if you're going to carry it with a red dot, it can be a little harder as well. Uh, so with that, I would say, look at, if you want a universal holster, the Safari land GLS system, I believe it's either a 577 or 578 is a pretty universal friendly holster. It retains on the trigger guard of a ton of different guns and it actually works out pretty well. Uh, so I do like that. Uh, Kydex. Perfect. Otherwise you could reach out to a guy like, um, QVO tactical. He does a lot of custom stuff. Uh, there are other custom Kydex makers that make stuff, small shops, local places, stuff like that. Um, hang on. I got to tell my wife to stop texting me because I forgot to turn the computer in the back off for a second. Okay. <laughs> the joys of being, uh, being live now, as far as possibly with a red dot, you said Kydex possibly with a red dot. Uh, then I would probably look at the Safari land RDS series and see if one of their models for the M and P would fit. Now here's the deal for the M and P 45. Um, they actually, that would fit a lot. And for a while before staccato duty holsters were coming out, a lot of people were using the M and P 45 holsters because the 1911, 2011s would fit in there as well. So I'm guessing that would fit your M and P 2.0, 10 millimeter as well, because I believe the slide on the M and P 45 and 10 millimeter is super close in dimensions. I can't remember if it's the same, like it is on the Glock, but I believe it is super close. So definitely I would check in with that. Um, Thank you very much, Triple Seven. And it's my grandma, by the way, but thank you. I do appreciate it. 
Uh, now, Surveillance said, uh, have you looked at Gerber holsters? I haven't seen Gerber. We talked about QVO and then TXC. Uh, I don't know who TXC is, but I'll definitely check them out as well. But those will be all good options. Tier 1 Concealed might make something for you too. Otherwise, maybe reach out to a local... Um, try to search for custom Kydex holsters and then your state. And you might be surprised that there's a local guy bending Kydex nearby. It's actually not hard to do. Um, there's a lot of uh, really good quality Kydex shops that do really good stuff that are small guys that you've never heard of. But yet if you bring in their gun, they'll take the mold, they'll put it on their little plate, they'll vacuum seal it. Um, one of my favorite holsters is from a local guy that was right here in Northern Minnesota. And unfortunately he's kind of... Um, getting out of the business right now because he got busy with other stuff. Uh, 120 Tactical, I'm giving a shout out to you, Phil, if you ever come across this. But he makes a really great holster and I really liked it. I still use it for a lot of stuff and he doesn't even make it anymore. So heck with you, man. Um, but yeah, and then Eric said that the M&P 45 holster should fit and I believe that is true as well. So yeah, so thank you very much for the super chat, Scott. I appreciate that. All right, dudes, how are we coming along? We're about an hour. It's almost trick-or-treating time around here. I mean, after school, we got some stuff to do, pick up those kiddos. So I think we might be wrapping this up. We got through all of our questions. I do want to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, month's sponsor is Midwest Industries. Midwest Industries makes some amazing parts for a variety of platforms, whether it's AR, AK, Ruger, compatible with Ruger, all sorts of cool tools and more Midwest Industries out of Wisconsin. Now, I do have to disclose, if you watch their videos on their webpage and you're looking at any of their how-to videos, you may see a familiar face. So yes, do I have a business relationship? Are they one of my clients? Yep, they are. But are they also awesome enough in supporting this episode of the QA? Yep. Midwest Industries, boom, hit the wrong button. Midwest Industries certainly is that doing that indeed. They are supporting the channel. They're uh, donating the prize, which is a Midwest Industries combat rail. I can show a picture of it. Now, let me go grab it because I want to make sure I tell you the right length. This is awkward. I don't have it in front of me. The one thing I forgot to grab, I believe it's a nine inch rail, a nine inch rail. These are worth like almost a couple hundred bucks. And this is the prize this month. That's pretty awesome. Again, thanks to our friends at Midwest Industries. Midwest Industries brings you this episode of the QA and they're supporting us by giving away, boom, that awesome combat rail. That awesome combat rail. All right. So thanks to Midwest Industries for that. Um, I really wish I had it. Another quick shout out for Midwest Industries. They have this other new product. This is their two-piece drop-in for those of you guys that still run front sight posts, which... <laughs> Okay, for like the five of you that might be watching, um, this will use a standard mil-spec barrel nut and then the front sight post goes there. They have extended models and stuff too. This is a pretty cool product. So Midwest Industries uh, doing some cool stuff. They're being innovative and they've come a long way. Like I remember back in the day, their first hand guards were like quad rails and they were huge. Um, so now where they've, where they've come along, it's uh, pretty awesome to see. So Midwest Industries supports this episode of the QA. Let's go ahead and get our random number generator. And uh, this month. Let me put the rules up here quick while I get that ready. Oh, I don't know if I have the rules. Oh, there they are. Boom. There we go. Let me get the random number generator while you guys read the rules because we got to be aware of that. Now, uh, for those of you guys who are watching and, uh, you want a patch or something like that, let me know because, uh, I definitely want to take care of you guys. And we do have some new patches that I was handing out at TriggerCon. Uh, the first one you guys already saw a little bit, and that is the Internet Range Safety Officer. And I've been calling some people out when they leave stupid comments like, oh, really, bro, you shouldn't be doing this, or was the gun unloaded? Dude, it's not going to hurt you behind your keyboard, man. Show me on your keyboard where the video hurt you. Uh, and, and I'm getting a, probably a little on my soapbox here, but like some of the comments are like, yeah, it's not safe shooting at that backdrop, blah, blah, blah. You're not at my range, man. You're looking at a two-dimensional video where I'm there shooting in a safe private area. Oh my gosh, seriously. Some of the comments on some of the videos. So anyways, I call people out and I just be like, hey man, send me your address and you get one of these. Now it won't focus. The internet range safety officer. And I was handing out these. My next one is going to be the Instagram engineers because man, some of the people that made comments on various videos about how they know more about engineering. But then we also got this guy made. 
This is the Guns and Tactics G.I. Joe Retro, and uh, below it, it's probably tough to see on camera, but it says, not for operators who operate operationally, which uh, I like to joke around because I always tell people, dudes, I'm not an operator who operates operationally, okay? And a lot of people who tell you that they are, they might not be, you know, but there's a lot of people who like to brag about, oh, bro, I was an operator, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I can actually say for a brief period early in my law enforcement career, when I was a non-sworn uh, CSO, I was an operator because I worked the front desk. And there would be times that when you called in and you said, if you didn't get your extension, dial zero for the operator, guess who would answer? This guy. Operator. All right. Anyways, uh, I think that's about it. I think we're caught up on comments. I think we are caught up on questions. I got a few of you guys still watching. I appreciate it. We'll probably wind this down with our random number generator. How many comments did we have here? We had a bunch. Oh, yeah. We got a bunch. So we'll add the comment section in and our random number generator is number 36. I don't know if you guys can see, see that. It just focused at the very end, 36. So I'm gonna go back to the bottom and count up minus four. So one, two, three, four. Hey, Scott, Scott Hughes, your comment. According to my math here, and again, I might be off by one or two, so don't have a cow. I'm doing this the best I can. But Scott, reach out to me, send me an email at the email shown, the QA at gunsandtactics.com. Give me your shipping address. We'll get this rail out to you. You are the winner. But like I was saying, if anybody else has a question, a comment, a concern, whatever, send me an email to the following email address, the QA at gunsandtactics.com. We'll send your, uh, get your question on the show for next month. And I'll always take suggestions as well. So if there's any suggestions or whatever, that's a great way for you guys to communicate with me. Uh, be aware of the spam bots, guys. I, I do got a, for one more quick shout out. All these stupid comments on the YouTube videos, uh, I don't do this whole telegram crap or whatever it might be. So yeah. Uh, and D Tom, uh, you need to, can you do me a favor and can you send me an email with your address, please? I might've lost it when I was cycling stuff, but, uh, so D Tom, send me, uh, your address with a note for patches and I'll get you a couple of these patches. Cause I owed you from last month. I believe it was last month. And then Scott email me as well with a screenshot, your username, whatever. So I can verify you guys are who you say you are. And then, uh, we'll get you guys your prizes or whatever. But if anybody else, um, you know, let me know. We'll figure out a way to get some patches out or whatever. I was giving out a bunch at TriggerCon, that kind of thing. I'll be at SHOT Show giving out some stuff too. But uh, go from there. So thank you guys very much for watching. Again, if you want to support the channel, the best way to do so is, of course, leaving a super chat, a super thanks, whatever. But you can also head on over to our Patreon page. We'll have a link in the description below. We have different levels and every little bit does help. And as our Patreon community does grow, we'll have more benefits, discount codes, early access. We'll have live dedicated videos just for Patreon supporters. So if you want to become a patron, head on over there. I really do appreciate all the monthly Patreon supporters. And, uh, Dustin, uh, yeah, we don't talk about the oldie fans. That'll get me banned. Okay. But anyways, uh, guys, I do appreciate all the comments. I do appreciate everybody watching and, uh, everybody that got to meet at TriggerCon or whatever, super highlight of my show by far. So I do appreciate that. All right. Take care guys. Let me uh, go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you, Yanni. Appreciate for tuning in. Uh, appreciate the comments for the good show. All right. Take care guys. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. Happy Halloween. Be safe, have fun. And remember, eat some candy. Take care.